are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? <laughs> well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb. And then, smart again. I'm Helen Hong. And now, socially distancing from our homes in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. So nice to see you again. How are you? Nice to see you. I am sweltering. As you know, we are in the middle of a heat wave. Yes, I, and I also unfortunately learned very recently that uh, my microphone can pick up my air conditioning. So I <laughs> I, uh, I will be doing this uh, in, the, uh, in the lovely uh, ceiling fanned version of my apartment. Swampy, swampy heat. Yeah. Well, um, you know, J. Keith, I have a husky mix. Yes, Dodger. And Dodger. And Dodger, unfortunately, has this amazing fur coat, which he can never take off. Right. Even when it is 101 degrees here in the valley. And so, um, you know, I, I have the AC on. And I have a box fan kind of pointed at him everywhere he goes. And then I recently discovered the cleverest thing I've ever done, which Ooh. is frozen chicken stock go on i mean come on I'm wait, wait a so you freeze chicken stock you you pretty much give it to him as a, as a stock popsicle stocksicle as a stocksicle I, yeah. I just take one of those little plastic like to-go containers that yeah. you get you know when you buy food and i poured some chicken stock in there and i chucked it in the freezer and i gave it to him and he just holds on to the little plastic <laughs> container and he look and it's the cutest thing because he's got his little pawsies around the container and he's just licking ah boy and, i wish you listeners um, could see the uh, the zoom screen that i'm seeing as helen demonstrates it that it is so so the other day both of us that was our dinner he had a, oh. a chicken <laughs> chicken stock and I had ice cream and we just laid on the floor in front of the box fan. That's adorable. And I have to say, when you said that was our dinner, my first vision was, oh, no, Helen is eating out of the same frozen bowl <laughs> as Dodger. Don't put it past me. I, I would not. Well, me. I have a little, uh, I have an exciting animal update here in my household. Mm -hmm. I uh, recently got it in my head, I think, that my girlfriend to put up uh, hummingbird feeders. Because <gasps> we've got hummingbirds. Like, I'm obsessed with them. I, too, intend to put one up. I did not know that I was obsessed with them until I put one up. And now it is the most thrilling part of my day. <gasps> Because I got these ones that actually suction cup to the window. I'll be at my table just working, and all of a sudden I'll see something, and it'll be a hummingbird. It worked. Ah! I can't believe it worked. Oh I gosh. made nectar. Me. <laughs> Me. And the hummingbirds drank it. How does one make nectar? Yeah, what it's pretty the... much just sugar and water, and you mix it up. But still, <laughs> I made it with these hands. You're anyway, feeding nature. I am feeding nature, and uh, I I feel powerful and also uh, humbled. It's it's really it's really amazing. Just the simple joy wow. of seeing this seeing this hummingbird come and flutter outside the window and eat it. I highly recommend it. Uh, also, it's just nice to have something to look forward to these days. <laughs> Every day, I look forward to the hummingbird coming by and eating the nectar that I made. All right, today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest, Helen, who is up first. He is an award-winning singer, songwriter, and performer whose new album, Lightning, Show Us Your Stuff, comes out September 4th. It's Grant Lee Phillips. Grant Lee Phillips. Hello, sir. Hey there. Wonderful to see you and wonderful to hear you. I have, uh, this is a special treat for me because I have, I have paid to see you in concert before and then all of a sudden you were on my show. 
Oh, goodness. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Now, uh, this new album, it has a very interesting origin, the title of which. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, the title, Lightning, Show Us Your Stuff, that came from my daughter. She was five years old, and uh, this was going back. Well, she's 12 now, so do the math. Uh, we were in the backyard in Burbank getting ready to move to, to Nashville, where I'm coming from tonight, um, mm-hmm. when I heard her say, Come on, Lightning, show us your stuff. <laughs> She raised a stick to the sky, and just in that very moment, a crack of thunder. The whole sky lit up. No. I said, I said, oh my goodness. To my wife, she's some. she has some supernatural powers. She's Yeah, she's a sorceress, a, obviously. Yes. Uh, 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 <laughs> she's a Stephen King character. She's, we got to get her in the house. Uh, I filed that memory away, and uh, all these years later, um, somehow I, I was able to dredge it up. That is that is very cool. Like, does she know that she's she basically named your album? Well, uh, now she's seen the the you know the the LPs are arriving at my doorstep for me to sign, and uh, the poster and the shirt, and uh, and uh, I think she feels a little ripped off, to tell you the truth. <laughs> that sounds like a preteen daughter. Uh, you're releasing. You mentioned as an LP. You're releasing this in a limited edition vinyl edition as well. Uh, what, what, yeah. What's the uh, thinking behind that? And there's also a little bonus that comes with that. You're right. Yeah. I mean, you know, the uh, the love of vinyl uh, uh, is something that a lot of us attest to. It sounds so good, you know, so nice and warm. And this is that kind of record, real earthy and warm and uh, reflective. Anyhow, that being the case, we we put it out on uh, vinyl. And uh, you're right, it comes with a bonus of 45, um, two extra songs you get on the 40. Red vinyl, in fact. Red vinyl. Highly sought after, red vinyl. You melt it down, you make a pair of pants, you know. <laughs> yes, I, I have so many be... vinyl pants from melted down 45s. I, <laughs> right? My collection's full, but I'm sure for other people, they'll enjoy that. Um, <laughs> obviously, uh, normal, in, under normal times, you would be hoping to tour and be out uh, supporting the record, but uh, you haven't been able to do that, but you are still doing uh, weekly concerts. Tell us about that. Yeah, I've been Online. doing my uh, my weekly stage at concerts every Sunday, uh, 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I take to the stage from my own my own home. You know, it's called uh, Grantley Phillips Live from the Parlor. Really fun though. Been doing it all throughout the summer. You know, and I've I've really taken to it. I think I'm going to keep it keep it going even when um, we hopefully crawl out from this here um, eventually. And uh, some people, of course, might remember your music from uh, the band Grantley Buffalo. Uh, how many people actually think that is your name? <laughs> my mom thought it was my name for a long time. Really? <laughs> yeah. Referred to me as Mr. Buffalo and herself as Mama Buffalo. Yeah, every now and then, every now and yep. then, I, I run into someone who uh, has made that association. We'll do we'll do our best tonight not to uh, not to call you Mr. Buffalo. Although I appreciate that. there are far worse nicknames that I can imagine than Mr. <laughs> Buffalo. Well, that's true. Uh, a lot of people might not realize that they've heard your music because uh, you were on a very popular television show called Gilmore Girls. That's right. As the yeah. town troubadour, which was great because you got to play some of your own songs as well as your interpretation of, of popular songs that they would sort of weave into the to the narrative of, of the show. I imagine, you know, coming from the, the background that you did as, as sort of an earthy, folky, bluesy artist, that uh, would that have changed the audience that uh, started showing up to your shows based on seeing you on Gilmore Girls? Yeah, you know, um, it was sort of like there were two universes that I was, you know, I was moonlighting in one. Um, but eventually what I have seen is that, uh, both mother and daughter, uh, fans of the show would come together, you know, maybe the mother had my, uh, had my, had my solo records, you know, or those of Grantley Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And, um, meanwhile, the daughter, you know, was a Gilmore fan and now they can come together and, you know, have this, this bond 
Uh, not that there are only women who enjoy the show. It sure. has a, a, a wide family. But you get the Lorelei's and the Rory's. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> and then uh, about 10 years later, after you did the first season, you actually got to come back for this Netflix uh, miniseries they did of it. What, what was it like to be back there for that? That was beautiful, you know, just to see everyone and uh, to show up every day. It was quite secretive, you know. We were all sequestered, couldn't let out any scripts, no, uh, you know, no mentioning of plots, mm-hmm. no, uh, no cell phones, you know. It was a full lockdown kind of uh, situation, you know, um, because they were really wanted to protect that that moment, that great reveal, mm-hmm. you know, when all of the, uh, sure. the episodes went live. Did it prepare you for the quarantine lockdown? <laughs> it very much did. Thank you for asking. <laughs> oh, that's a nice service that they provided. Uh, by the way, I actually was on an episode of Gilmore Girls, and my scene was cut. Thanks so much for joining us, Grant Lee Phillips. <laughs> oh, goodness. Helen, against whom will Grant Lee be competing? <laughs> She is an award-winning singer, songwriter, and performer whose newest EP, Bagatelles, is available now. It's Nellie Mackay. Hello, Nellie Mackay. How are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm so great, and it's so wonderful to have you join us. I've also paid to see you perform before, so it's also a special treat to have you here. Thank you. Nellie, um, it looks like you're in your vehicle right now. This is correct. Yes, I've been on the road. (laughs) I just played a beautiful place called River Dog yesterday. It was lovely. It was outside, and people came up in the rain, and then it stopped raining. So, what was that? Lightning, go hither. <laughs> but uh, but it's, but you're, but people are staying at a safe distance, and you're doing outdoor venues, and you're and you're you're able to stay safe as well. For our listeners, if you're hearing a difference in audio, Nelly is kind enough to join us on the road and from her car in an iPhone. So uh, we're we're happy to have her, however we can get her. So we certainly appreciate that. Um, you actually uh, had. Uh, recommended Grant Lee for the show because you you know each other and wanted to play against each other. Uh, how is it that you and Grant know each other? Well, most recently I heard uh, uh, Grant in the Toledo Burlington Coat Factory, wasn't it? Grant? And I heard, <laughs> and I heard uh, Good Morning Happiness. But way back when we played with the Amy Man Christmas Tour, and Grant made a snowman on the main street in Tarrytown, and he said that snowman is my David. And I thought, one day I'm going to do a game show with him. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the prophecy wow. is fulfilled. <laughs> wow. Have you, have you gotten to record together or, or jam together on stage? We have, right? I guess so. And also we made that video on the bus about your feet. Remember that? Right. Yes. Uh, also part of the same prophecy. <laughs> yes, right. You're, yeah. you're speaking of um, someone had left a bag of popcorn, the the empty bag. It was just perfect for, for sticking my, my naked foot in. And that was the uh, the development of the great hit song, See-Through Sexy Socks, which I believe I went, See-Through Sexy Socks, See-Through Socks, kind of a prince. Number Who knows way, where inspiration you know? is going to strike? Wow, wait, was it butter popcorn? Please say no. Boy, I don't remember. I know my foot went in very easily into oh, a bag. Oh, gross. So yeah, that sounds like butter or, uh, yeah, at least kettle corn. Kettle corn's going to gonna stop that foot right up. It's so sticky. <laughs> we recorded a, um, a Beatles song together, Nellie. Remember that? Oh, you got to hear Grant on Yellow Submarine. It's out there somewhere. Oh, geez, you're just amazing. <laughs> It was incredible. We recorded a Beatles song with Jeff Emmerich. I know, That's the Beatles a, engineer. What a beautiful memory, right? Uh, uh, well, Nellie Bagatelles <laughs> that uh, Helen mentioned is uh, is your latest EP. It's uh, like your last record. It's also uh, a bunch of cover songs of things that people might consider standards that were ones that people know, but in very unexpected ways. You go from One for My Baby, One for the Road to Zippity Doodah. How, how do you choose what, what songs to, to put on a record like that? 
Well, we had a whole big pile of fake books, and we got through about the first one, and we already had a hundred songs. <laughs> so we just narrowed it down from there. We didn't even get to the others. And how do you approach a cover song? How, how do you how do you make it something that 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 speaks to you and and for you when you're putting it on a record or performing? Oh, well, they're so beautiful. You just try to honor. It's all there. You try mm. to get out of the way. Hmm. Well, I, I I tell you, I'm never going to forget the foot in the popcorn reference. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, that's indelibly etched into my mind. You know, it's weird. I just researched this. That actually was a cover song. See-through sexy songs? Uh, songs? Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I think, uh, wow. I think uh, Mott the Hoople did that originally. I was sure <laughs> I wrote that in that moment. But then again, George uh, Harrison was quite convinced <laughs> That he wrote, my sweet lord. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, now they want to ask about some some of your your theater performances. You uh, you also made a big splash uh, doing what you called musical biographies. So uh, uh, pieces where right. you would assemble songs and inhabit a character of of different uh, uh, different people from from history. And one of them that you did, I was very curious to see, was about Joan Rivers, the fam- the famous uh, comedian. Uh, what what appealed to you about doing a show about Joan Rivers? When she died, I just thought you know she. Uh... Uh, that she didn't get her due you know she had that show for sh- so short a time and then she kind of got relegated to e and you know she would she would do anything uh because she wanted to live like marie antoinette if she had money as she put it i saw her when i was a teenager <laughs> and i met her later on and uh so i was trying to capture how she be how joan Belinsky became joan rivers mm. and uh it was a treat but you know even in her she died at 81 even then, she, she needed two assistants to keep up with her. And so before that show, I, I had to take a drug cocktail. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> only found in Mississippi. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, and did you, did you do her voice and her mannerisms and her material? Uh, I couldn't do her material because the estate issued a cease and desist letter. Okay. So, uh, that, but it was, you know, it, it was a time to be creative. Yeah. So, Can you give us a little of your Joan Rivers? I'll, I'll go south and get the good drugs again. I'll, okay, great. I'll when you get those cocktails together, <laughs> then definitely call back. We want to be there for that bonus episode. Last yeah. thing I want to ask you about is uh, you also have uh, sung the songs of and know a lot about Doris Day. Um, I remember you were on an episode of Ask Me Another, the quiz show, and you did a whole quiz about Doris Day. Yes, but their buzzer was broken. And we did a oh, whole okay. big thing about on, on stage where I kept interrupting the gentleman who was asking because I knew it that quick. And I wanted mm-hmm. to hit the buzzer. And he said, about the second or third question in it, it'll only register if you say it, if you hit it at the end. And then they cut that from the live broadcast, just so everybody knows. Well, here's something that you may not know. Uh, okay. I actually wrote that quiz. You wrote that quiz. I wrote quiz. that but quiz. I've heard, I, heard Doris, I. I, I, I may, uh, I, I've written about 40 or 50 uh, quizzes on Ask Me Another, and they put out the call, can someone write a Doris Day quiz for Nellie McKay? And I was like, I, I know nothing about Doris Day, but I would be happy to find out to have Nellie McKay give answers to it. <laughs> Well, I loved it, and it was fun giving answers, if only everybody knew <laughs> that I knew all the answers to your quiz. <laughs> all right, well, we're going to give you a chance to uh, show that you know the answers to our quiz later. We appreciate your being here, Miss Nellie Mackay. Thank you. All right, we asked each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. Grant Lee, you said you know a lot about Houdini, Western Wear, and the Winchester Mystery House. That's correct. Whereas, Nellie, you said you know a lot about Billy Strayhorn, leftist politics, and Cary Grant. Later on, we're going to ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, sitting on the dock of the bay. 
First up is Grant Lee. Grant Lee, your question comes from a listener. Helen, who is it? It's from David Richards of Costa Mesa, California. Listeners, if you'd like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to gofactyourpod.com and click on Get Involved. Thank you, Helen, and thank you, David. Grant, so in the topic of sitting on the dock of the bay, they both are things you can sit on in a bay, but what is the difference between a dock and a pier? A dock and a pier. A pier is not unlike a jetty which juts out <laughs> over a, <laughs> an expanse Nelly's of water. enjoying your answer already. Uh, one might fish. A, uh, uh, one might uh, enjoy their chips, uh, read mm-hmm. a newspaper. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas a dock is uh, exclusively created for the docking of various uh, aquatic vessels, boats, mm. ships, canoes, kayaks. And I'm not like... going to stop you if you just want to keep naming aquatic vessels. <laughs> you know what? I didn't realize I knew that many aquatic vessels, but now I'm kind of like, by, by which I'm you into meant three. It. Can <laughs> I change that to my area of expertise? Okay, great. Aquatic vessels. Okay, that's great. my answer. It is your answer. All right, we've got Grant Lee's answer. Nelly, we don't know yet if he is correct. Uh, you can steal if you think he doesn't have it quite right. What do you think? Ah, a pier uh, is is a, a a place where you can go. You can you can sit. You can listen to music out there mm-hmm. and uh can i relate it to something just kind of outside of the, the please the sure uh, it relates to billy strayhorn who's one of um my topics um yes. that when he passed duke ellington went out and he took a long lonely walk on a pier near where billy's apartment was in new york and and then a dock. Yeah, just everything Grant said. Just everything Grant said. Okay. All right. Well, this segment is taking a long walk off a short pier. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. A dock is a structure specifically designed to tie off, attach, or dock a boat. A dock could be floating on the water or attached to the earth under the water. It's usually just above the water line, about boat height, and it could be parallel or perpendicular to the shore. A pier is always perpendicular to the shore. It's usually higher than a dock, allowing the waves to crash under it. And it is always attached to the earth under the water by columns or piers. Oh, and you can tie a boat to a pier, but then again, you can tie a boat to just about anything. (laughs) Yes, you can. Thank you, Helen. Uh, That's right. As Helen mentioned, a dock can stand on its own, but a pier relies on other piers, and that's why it often gives in to peer pressure. Helen, how do they do on that? <laughs> um, actually, I think I'm going to give Grant one point because you did say uh, a dock is exclusively for boats and a pier is for is jut, juts out over the water. But mm-hmm. you didn't get the perpendicular or the parallel bits. It was implied, <laughs> I think. It was implied. <laughs> uh, okay, that's one point for Grant Lee Phillips. Very good. Up next in Sitting on the Dock of the Bay, Nelly. Nelly, they both are places where you can sit on a dock, but what's the difference between a bay and a gulf? A bay and a gulf. A bay is a, a small inlet uh, in, in which uh, people frolic and mm-hmm. enjoy themselves uh, quite peaceably, uh, unless there's a major horror hurricane or um or sea force it's a place for relaxation contemplation and general calm Mm -hmm. whereas a gulf is a force of nature it includes things like uh the place where all the planes crash the oh that that place (laughs) did not (laughs) think we were going there okay go ahead (laughs) it it has uh it has uh it has big oil rigs 
Uh-huh. I think it's often where a river kind of uh, meets with more seawater. And mm-hmm. um, so you got to watch out for that brackish water. You could get that uh, flesh-eating disease. Right. Um, not, but... <laughs> not to mention all those planes crashing into you. That's right. Yeah, yeah. All right, we've got Nellie's answer. We don't know yet <laughs> if she is quite correct. Grant Lee, what do you think? A bay uh, is a, an expansive inlet um, in which uh, boats are free to travel, and yet there are not so many docks. Uh, that would be a gulf. Uh, gulfs are typically perpendicular. <laughs> really? Perpendicular. <laughs> to, to what exactly? Uh, what have you? You know, perpendicular to something, most certainly. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say that, that, that uh, one is uh, completely void of plankton. And, and which uh, one is that, that? That would be the bay. The bay devoid of plankton. <laughs> void of plankton. Okay, well, it's time to say good bay to this segment. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Can I just say, J. Keith, before I give the facts, yes. that this was the most poetic... <laughs> Uh, definitions of bay and golf yes. that I think have ever give, been given in the history of the English language. I, I think uh, I think you I think you are accurate, and I think appreciate we, your mentioning it. This is what covered, happens when you we, when you bring on two very sensitive singer songwriter types. We, we covered frolicking. There <laughs> yes. was frolicking. There's expanse. There's planes crashing. There's there's uh, you know brackish water. Yes. I mean, come on. Uh, <laughs> okay. It's almost a shame that we have to make a distinction and give points, and yet that's where we are. Well, here are the facts. A bay is smaller than a gulf, and it usually widens as it opens to the sea. Think of how Green Bay is between Wisconsin's thumb and eastern shore, which is narrow at the bottom and widens out to Lake Michigan. A gulf is bigger than a bay. It usually has a narrow opening to the sea. Think of how the Gulf of Mexico has the tips of Florida and Mexico's Yucatan Peninsula almost pinching it closed. Uh, that is right. And while most bays are called bays and most gulfs are called gulfs, sometimes the names aren't quite right. For instance, Hudson Bay in Canada is technically a gulf. Now, it might have been called a bay when Europeans first encountered it because it is often covered in ice and ice can make it difficult to see its size and shape, which is why when I go out, I always wear a suit of ice. It's so slimming. Helen, how did our guest do? Um, I'm going to give Nellie a half a point because you did say the bay is small, inferring that it's smaller than a golf. A half a point for Nellie Mackay. Very good. And what is our score at the end of that round, Helen? At the end of that round, Nellie Mackay has half a point and Grant Lee Phillips has one point. Those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Hi, everybody. My name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. We're both doctors and... Nope, just me. Okay, well, Sydney's a doctor and I'm a medical enthusiast and we create Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. Every week I dig through the annals of medical history to bring you the wildest, grossest, sometimes dumbest tales of ways we've tried to treat people throughout history. And lately we do a lot of modern fake medicine. Because everything's a disaster, but it's slightly less of a disaster every Friday, right here on MaximumFun.org, as we bring you Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. And remember, don't drill a hole in your head. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Grant Lee Phillips with one point and Nellie Mackay with half a point. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Grant Lee Phillips, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about Houdini, Westernware, mm. and the Winchester Mystery House. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, you said you know a lot about Houdini. That's true. That's right. 
I uh, I was a child magician, and, um, <laughs> and my. Why do you laugh? <laughs> yes, Nellie, what, what amuses you so much about that? <laughs> uh, it's I kind spent of my late hours uh, uh, studying he's, the, he's the, the books. It's, it's all true. It's all going to be in my memoir. Um, <laughs> yes, reading the books of uh, Walter B. Gibson, uh, Milburn Christopher, some of the other writers on magic. I love the idea of a man who could escape from anything. You know, I was quite mm. fascinated with Harry Houdini. Very good. All right. You also said you know a lot about Western wear. I love a good, um, I love a good Western wear. <laughs> what is, what is Western wear? Is it like chaps and stuff? Uh, well, a cha that's part of it. Yeah, that's part of it. You know, uh, many of the, uh, the classic clothing items were borrowed from the, uh, the Spanish, uh, the, the Carol of Mexico and, uh, ranchers and from the Calvarymen, you know? And what do you think about it appeals to you? I think it's it's a it's a rich tradition that has found its way into fashion. Um, it's found its way into uh, the attire of entertainers to musicians. I mean, even to this day, everybody loves a good fringy shirt. You know, <laughs> we love piping. We love our piping uh, mm. in my in my trade. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, has, has it found its way into your closet and wardrobe as well? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah. I mean, I'm not as flashy as, as most, but, um, but you know, I'll wear it around the house. All right. Uh, and then finally, you said you know a lot about the Winchester Mystery House. Um, my grandmother, um, she had a place in San Jose, California, and uh, I would drive past that. Uh, we would drive. She would drive past the, uh, the signs for the Winchester Mystery House. And I said, one day, I want to visit this mystery house. And, uh, and I, when I finally had that opportunity, I was so mesmerized with it that I wanted to go back time and time again. Wow. Is it haunted, you think? It is indeed haunted. Uh, folks uh, have uh, attested to a ghost named Clyde who can be seen in his boater and a white outfit uh, making repairs <gasps> about the house on occasion. What? All right. Well, to summarize, Grant Lee, you said you know a lot about Houdini, Western wear, and the Winchester Mystery House. Today, we're going to quiz you about Houdini. All right. All right, indeed. Uh, do you have a favorite trick uh, of Houdini's that you've uh, studied or performed, perhaps? Oh, goodness. Well, I did try to uh, to learn some of the old uh, handcuff escapes when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. You know, I would, um, I would handcuff myself. Uh, I would hang upside down from my swing set when I was about 11. Um, uh, with some, some bicycle chains and uh, again scared my mom quite a bit you know, yeah I come home so. from work and at find least you weren't me driving that, hanging the, upside down like a bat um, <laughs> the water torture cell is the one that a lot of us know and that's mm -hmm. quite frightening where he would be immersed upside down he's sometimes referred to it as upside down into the water torture cell mm. and uh, you were a child magician can you still do any tricks now uh, you know, I do, a, I do a few little coin tricks, you know, I feel like he has it cornered. I would like to be the guy who could get into anything, you know? Yeah. Like Houdini, yeah, like I get myself into like maybe a box and people will be like, wow, how did he get in there? Yeah. Get anything. <laughs> like a cat. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic with our three-part question. But before that, to give you a chance to show off, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. Now, if you want it, you're allowed a total of two hints for these five questions. Now, Nellie, do listen closely because you can steal if Grant Lee gets any of them wrong. Nellie, by the way, how much do you know about Houdini? Uh, I actually uh, gird my undergraduate studies. You know, <laughs> did, did you really? <laughs> so, oh, okay. You have, yeah, a, you have a, a BA in Houdini? <laughs> yeah, I, I, it, it, yes. 
<laughs> All right. Well, well uh, it sounds like uh, Grant Lee, you got to uh, keep it, run a tight ship here. Don't let uh, wow. Nelly ch- give a chance to steal or she'll throw her thesis at you. Uh, <laughs> All right. Here's question number one about Harry Houdini for Grant Lee Phillips. Grant Lee, escapes are standard fare in magic acts, but many of the set pieces that are still used today were created by Houdini. This includes an escape from a device invented in the 1700s that was designed to subdue the insane. What is this device? The straitjacket. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. It is the straitjacket. <laughs> uh, fun fact, in 2011, an actual Houdini straitjacket sold at auction for close to $50,000. All right, here's question number two. Wait, can we give a hint? Oh, I'm sorry, yes. We did not need the hint, but if you had needed the hint, Helen, what would that hint have been? It's not a crooked sweater. <laughs> because it's a <laughs> Thank you. straight Thank jacket. Thank you. Okay, That's tr- well, courtesy of Mike Avellanos. Yes, Thank you, Mike. <laughs> All right, question number two, Grantley. Houdini died on Halloween of 1926, but lots of people of a later generation discovered him through a 1953 movie starring Tony Curtis as Houdini. What was the name of this movie? The Great Houdini. Helen? That is not quite correct. No, I'm terribly sorry. Nellie with a chance to steal. Uh, thank you. That was called uh, Houdini at Winchester University. <laughs> said with confidence Helen was that called Houdini at Winchester University it was not no, no. you were on the right track we, we tried to make this really simple it was actually just called Houdini oh <laughs> really that's simple ah it was really I know the movie Houdini, yes, I'm, I'm sure you did. With Janet uh, Lee, I believe, as well. Yes, right? yes. Uh, people of an even later generation discovered Houdini in a 1976 TV movie starring Paul Michael Glazer of Starsky and Hutch alongside Sally Struthers from All in the Family. Uh, all right, let's see if you can bounce back with question number three. You still do have your two hints available. On March 18th, 1910, while on a tour of Australia, Houdini did something that no one in Australia had ever done before. Today, people do it there and here all the time. What was this feat? He was one of the first people to fly in Australia. He was an aviator. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. He flew an airplane. Fun fact, Houdini said that history might forget his work as a magician, but it would never forget that he was the first to fly in Australia. After his Australian flights, he never piloted a plane again. All right, Grantley, here's question number four. Houdini didn't invent every trick that he did. He bought one of them from an English magician and inventor, Charles Morritt, called the Disappearing Donkey. During the trick, and you won't believe it, a donkey disappeared. But when Houdini did it, he changed the trick to make what disappear? An elephant. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. An elephant (laughs) named Jenny, in fact. Fun fact, he performed that trick for over a million people during a 19-week engagement at New York's enormous Hippodrome. To this day, how exactly he did it remains a mystery. Very good, Grantley. Here's question number five. At the beginning of the 20th century and for close to 20 years, Houdini was a movie star. Name one of the full-length feature films in which he appeared. The Grim Game. Helen? That is correct. We didn't fool you on that either. The Grim Game is correct. The others were Terror Island, The Man from Beyond, Haldane of the Secret Service is the fourth. Fun fact, Houdini quit making movies in 1923 saying the profits are too meager. Grantly, you did very well in that round, but now here's your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. <laughs> we'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Okay. Grantly. 
Houdini yes. had a friendship with a very famous author, which notoriously soured in a very public way. The blow-up was over Houdini's debunking of a psychic medium who happened to be that author's wife. She had claimed to have contacted Houdini's dead mother, but Houdini had two very good reasons to believe that she was not in contact with his mother's spirit. So, for up to three points, who was this famous author, and what were the two reasons that Houdini said proved that the medium had not contacted his mother? The author was Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Okay. Yep. Uh, Houdini felt it was a giveaway when the medium referred to Houdini by the name Harry. Mm. His name was Eric Weiss, and his mother referred to him as Eric, mm. not Harry, his okay. stage name. Uh, and that was the, uh, the, the giveaway. That was one of the giveaways, but one of the giveaways. for another one as well. Right. That is one reason. Uh, the medium went on to say, and by the way, you're looking a little chubby. <laughs> he knew that was not the case. He knew his mother would never fat shame him? No. He knew that she would never do such a thing. It just wasn't her style. <laughs> you want to stick with that? I'm going to stick with that. You're going to stick with that? Okay. Well, Helen... God love you is taking note on those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is a magician and author who is the Houdini historian to the world-famous Magic Castle and who for 10 years has written the daily blog wildabouthoudini.com. It's John Cox. Hello, John Cox. There you are. Hello. Hello, everyone. Great to be here. Hey. Great to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you've studied Houdini for over 40 years. Do I have that right? You have that right. How did you How did you get started? What sparked your interest in, in Houdini and in learning so much more about him? Well, you know, what really got me going was the movie you uh, discussed earlier with Tony Curtis, Houdini. Mm -hmm. I saw that when I was um, about 10 years old and just decided, hey, wait a minute, I want to find out more about this guy. And so I decided to go and get a book and do some research. And literally from that day to this day, I've just never stopped researching and trying to find the truth of Houdini. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, Helen mentioned your website, wildabouthoudini.com. Uh, that's a daily blog. How do you find something <laughs> to write about Houdini every day for over 10 years? Well, isn't that insane? You know, if someone had come to me 10 years ago and said, you know what, John? I'll give you a million dollars if you can write something about Houdini every single day. Something mm -hmm. of substance. You can't just, you know, H is for Harry. I would say, no, that's impossible. It can't be done. Well, I've done it. My biggest problem is only writing one thing. I wish mm. I didn't. I wish I could just update it once a week, but there's just so much happening <laughs> in the world of Houdini that I, um, I find I've just got always something to share with, wow. uh, with fellow lunatics uh, like me <laughs> and Grant Lee. <laughs> Great. You are the Harry Houdini historian for the Magic Castle. What, what does that entail and what kind of stuff do you get to do as, in that role? Um, well, I mean, I should be careful because there is a, a, a legend in the world of Houdini named Patrick Culleton. And really, Pat is the great man of Houdini lore of the castle. Uh, but I do, I do more of the legwork. Um, I do presentations. If there's some media event, uh, the castle will turn to me. There was a series called Houdini and Doyle that aired a few years ago. Uh, they had the press uh, uh, junket at the castle. So they brought me in to answer questions for, uh, for, uh, for the reporters. Essentially, anytime someone annoys the Magic Castle with a question about Houdini, they get to throw it to me. <laughs> Uh, and magicians actually come to you with questions about Houdini, including some magicians that uh, we've heard of. Tell us about that. 
yes, they they will uh, they will turn to me, um, including a couple of years ago, out of the blue, I was contacted by a gentleman named David Copperfield, who wow. invited me to his incredible museum in Las Vegas, <gasps> and since then we've struck up a. A good relationship. He'll 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 call me quite often with um, questions about Houdini or or advice on something whether or not he should buy and and has opened the doors for me to come and do as much research as I possibly can in his museum, which uh, of course is you know is just amazing. Wait, Absolutely. David Copperfield calls you on the regular and is like, "Should I buy this disappearing hoop thing or what?" <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know if he's ever said, "Should I buy?" But you know, he he will call and say, "You know, what what do you know about this? Can you tell me about this? Is this you know something?" Mostly for someone like David Copperfield or other magicians or even collectors. Um, you know, I'm not a collector. I'm I'm not a competitor. I'm a historian, so they like me to be able to, does this have any deeper historical significance? Mm. So they're calling you to, to sort of check the authenticity of, of artifacts that Houdini might, that have been related to Houdini. I thought you were saying, he was calling you like, hey man, should I buy these flaming juggling rods or... <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Helen, your knowledge of Houdini's props is, is just, just stellar. <laughs> now, you're, you're writing a, a major new biography of Houdini that's going to be published on the 100th anniversary of his death. Why do you think his legacy has lasted 100 years when other magicians haven't? It's a big part of it is that he's part of the language. You hear it all the time. If someone does something miraculous or escapes or is sneaky, mm. they are a Houdini. He's mm. just become so ingrained in the culture. I mean, you know, there were master magicians of Houdini's time, and there were, ta- were magicians who were better than Houdini, frankly, uh, as standalone magicians. But if you describe how, you know, someone sawed a woman in half in a box the size of a refrigerator... Well, that's not as fascinating today as it was in, in, in 1911. But if you describe that, you know, Houdini was stripped naked and manacled and searched by a doctor and locked in a prison cell in the United States jail, and he escaped and opened all the cells and switched all the murderers on murderer's row from one cell to the next, <laughs> dressed himself, and then escaped the prison itself... That's still pretty spectacular. Yeah, I would say that. Uh, I, I so, would watch that. Yeah, so, you know, he's part of the culture and yeah. his story holds up and he just is is still fascinating. Excellent. I'm well, still so hung fasc- up on the doctor checking him. Yeah. I'm <laughs> sorry, wants, I'm Helen still Helen wants to be the assistant. That. He insisted on that, that to show he had no pics. He would, yeah. he would strip naked and have a doctor examine him. Wow. Wow. I mean, that really is why most doctors go to medical school. Just that one day, they'll be able to examine a magician's butthole and see if he's hiding a key. All right, John, well, it's been fascinating talking with you about this. Let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Grant Lee. We wanted to know who was the famous author uh, that Houdini had a falling out with regarding a medium experience. Helen, what is the answer that Grant Lee gave us? Grant Lee said Arthur Conan Doyle. And Mr. Cox? That is correct. Very good. That's a point for Grant Lee Phillips. Next, we want to know what were two of the very good reasons that Houdini said he did not believe that Arthur Conan Doyle's wife was in touch with Houdini's (laughs) dead mother. What was the one that Grant Lee Phillips gave us, Helen? Grant Lee said that his mother called him Harry, which was not his real name. His real name was Eric. And uh, Mr. Cox? Boy, Grantly, I was so worried you were going to say that when they asked the question, because I'm sorry to say you took some Hollywood bait. Really? Yeah. In all the biopics, they will always dramatize 
that as being one of the things that happened during the seance. Okay, I'm sorry, no point there. We'll get to the actual ones uh, after after this, but I'm sorry, no no point there. Okay, so yeah, so sorry, yes. not Yes, correct. I'm sorry, no point there. And then finally, Helen, what was the second very compelling reason that Grant Lee Phillips gave for why Houdini did not believe that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's wife was in contact with Houdini's dead mother? Grant Lee said his mother's ghost was fat shaming him. <laughs> and John Cox... <laughs> I almost want to say yes, he's correct. Just to just to to, to muddy the water more, but no, that is not mm. correct. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry, we have no evidence of that. Let's at least just say that. Yeah, so, uh, no what, what, were the, what were the two giveaways that uh, Houdini cited for why he didn't believe uh, the medium had contacted his mother? Well, the primary thing that he cited to Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was that uh, the letter his his Doyle's wife communicated via automatic writing. And the letter that she wrote was written in English. And Houdini's mother neither spoke or wrote English. They communicated only in German. Uh, okay. So he was in the ballpark of, of something to do with the language, but not, not quite exactly that. And then right. what was the second reason? Well, the other reason that was, that was mentioned was that um, she put the sign of a cross at the top of the letter, which Houdini thought was a pretty unusual thing for the wife of a rabbi to, uh, right. to do. They were Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, th- those are very interesting reasons, but not uh, not a match there. Uh, before we let you go, Grant Lee Phillips, is there anything you'd like to uh, ask or say to our expert while we have him here? Oh, how wonderful <laughs> to meet you. How cool. I look forward to the book. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, you know, I, I say it's coming out in 2026 for the 100th anniversary of, of, of Houdini's uh, uh, death, just so I have enough time to, yes, to, I was to say, really make it something started writing the book, Mr. Cox. <laughs> the, book, the book is, I'm working on the book, okay, yes. Okay. Uh, but um, I'm figuring that I'm not on deck until 2026. So okay, good. So this is the, this gonna, is the it, fact-finding it, phase of the, uh, of the authorship. We're so happy that you joined us. If people want to find out more about you or your work, where can they go? Uh, well, go to my blog, wildabouthoudini.com, and uh, dig in. Excellent. Well, we're happy that you dug in with us, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. John Cox. Thanks so much for being here. Yay. Thank you, everyone. Awesome. Uh, Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Grant Lee Phillips has six points, and Nellie Mackay has half a point with a round of questions for Nellie coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Nellie about a topic she knows about. Plus, later, Nellie and Grant will go head-to-head in our Fast Facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. Winner up the podcast you're listening to to tell you about another podcast. That's right. We got this with Mark and Hal. That's correct, Mark. This is Hal. We do the hard work for you, settling all of the meaningless arguments you have with your friends. So tune in every week on the Maximum Fun Network for We Got This with Mark and Hal. And all your questions will be asked and answered. You're welcome. All right. That's enough of that. We got this. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Grant Lee Phillips with six points and Nellie Mackay with half a point. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Nellie, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about Billy Strayhorn, leftist politics, and Cary Grant. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, you said you know a lot about Billy Strayhorn. I just I just love him. <laughs> I love his music. I know some things about him. I don't know if they would match up with what would be asked. All right. Well, what is it that you love about Billy Strayhorn's music? You can often tell when it's a song of his. It has a certain plaintive, lonely sound. Mm. It's just beautiful. He was a beautiful soul. All right. You also said you know a lot about leftist politics. 
Yeah, that's very, very broad when I re-looked at the category. That could mean anything um, from Eugene Debs to um, how, how the communist organizers um, helped lay the groundwork for the civil rights movement. How did you get into that? You know, just the idea of organized labor uh, is, is, is very dear to me, um, as well as the fact uh, you know, that we don't have Medicare for all, that we live in a country where the corporations have taken over the levers of power on both sides of the aisle. And I think if you check out Chris Hedge's book, Death of the Liberal Class, that's just a wonderful primer on a, the past hundred years leading up to our present day system. All right. And then finally, Nellie, you said you know a lot about Cary Grant. Uh, yeah, I love his movies. And, you know, he did feel, seem like he could do it all. Mm. And uh, what is it about Cary Grant you think that appeals to you, aside from just that he's gorgeous and charming? And Well, he had that ease and... Um, uh, movies were, were quicker then. And I think mm. when color came in and the major um, 3D and, and, and the screens got bigger, the movies got slower and something was lost. The wit mm. lost. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but that's very insightful. Um, all right, Nellie. So to summarize, you said you know a lot about Billy Strayhorn, leftist politics, and Cary Grant. Today we're going to quiz you about Cary Grant. Oh, fantastic. Yes, <laughs> you. you seem very happy. You're, you're lighting up uh, in that dark car. Uh, do you remember the first time you saw Cary Grant on screen? Probably Bringing Up Baby. Mm-hmm. Such a, a, a wonderful film. Is that your favorite of his, or do you have a different one that's your favorite? Oh, that might be, but there are so many good ones. He's mm-hmm. good at playing evil, too. Yeah. And uh, have, you, have you read up on his life as, as well? Uh, yeah, just uh, uh, bibs and bobs, but it's so nice to... To read about, uh, um, it's just so nice to read. I want to it learn is. about Houdini now. <laughs> yes, that's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's fun. To, it's fun to learn things about people that uh, that you didn't know from people who know them well. All right, Nellie, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic of Cary Grant to test your mastery in the subject with an expert level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one. You're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Grant Lee, do listen closely because if Nellie answers incorrectly, you can steal. Grant Lee, how much do you know about Cary Grant? I know very little. Very, very little. You were not named after him. I was not. No. Uh, okay. I know. You know, Judy, Judy, Judy. That's all I know. Okay. Well, we'll see if uh, we'll see if that comes up in the <laughs> in the quiz. I hope it does. Here we go. That was my Joan Rivers impersonation, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Grant, I was thinking next time somebody says Shirley, you jest, I'll say no, I don't, and don't call me Jeff Lee. <laughs> 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 All right, here's question number one for Nellie Mackay about Cary Grant. Nellie, one of Cary Grant's best-known collaborators was Alfred Hitchcock. Grant starred in four films directed by Hitchcock. Name one of them. Suspicion. Helen? That is correct. That is correct, of course. The others are Notorious, To Catch a Thief, and North by Northwest. Uh, fun fact, Hitchcock was notoriously disdainful of actors, but he once said, Cary Grant is the only actor I ever loved in my whole life. Uh, by the way, we did an entire segment about Alfred Hitchcock with guest Elliot Kalin on episode 28 of Go Fact Yourself. All right, Nellie, here's question number two. You mentioned this before. Cary Grant stars as a mild-mannered paleontologist. Is there any other kind? In Bringing Up Baby. In the movie, who is Baby? The leopard. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. <laughs> uh, Baby was played by a leopard named Nissa, and her co-stars were Skippy, the dog famous for playing Asta in the Thin Man movies, and her other co-star, Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> Nellie, you were two for two. Here's question number three. 
His Girl Friday, The Philadelphia Story, and Arsenic and Old Lace are three of Cary Grant's best-remembered films from the early 1940s. They were all hits, but Cary Grant never banked a penny's worth of his salary for those three movies. Where did that money go? Uh, you're... You do have a hint available if you'd like to use a hint. It's up to you. I'd love a hint. Helen, how about that first hint? It's important to remember these movies were from the early 1940s, and for what he did with the money, he was awarded the King's Medal for Services in the Cause of Freedom. So he gave that money towards the British war effort. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Excellent use of the hint. Very good, Nellie. Uh, That's right. He gave it to the British War Relief Fund, the Red Cross, and the USO. You are three for three, Nellie Mackay. Here is question number four. Thanks for the hint. (laughs) Yes, that's what it's there for. All right, here's question number four. Cary Grant was a -a workaday contract player at Paramount in the early 1930s when his next leading lady personally cast him in her next two films. Who was this iconic and iconoclastic diva who claimed that she discovered Cary Grant? Do I get another hint? There is one more hint available, but if you use it for this question, you won't be able to use it for the next question if you need it. So it's a risk, but you're welcome to use it if you like. Can I get one more hint? Helen, how about that second hint? Perhaps she invited him to come up and see me sometime. Thank you. <laughs> it was Mae West. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. You know, there's so many unknown movies. I just thought, you know, I, I wasn't quite sure of the chronology. I thought, could be, could it be Marlena? Yeah, okay, well, glad, glad you clarified, and it, and it paid off for you. You're four for four. Uh, fun fact, that first movie that he did with uh, Mae West was She Done Him Wrong and features that famous Mae West line that Helen paraphrased that actually is a misremembered line. The actual line is, why don't you come up sometime and see me? But it's misquoted, as we did, as come up and see me sometime. Mae West didn't fight people's faulty memories. She actually recorded a song by that title and used the line as her catchphrase all the way until her final movie, Sextet, in 1978. All right, Nellie, let's see if you can go five for five. Here's your last question. There are no more hints available, but let's see how you do. In the aforementioned His Girl Friday, Grant speaks the name of an unseen character who cut his own throat. In the aforementioned Arsenic and Old Lace, a gravestone is seen with that same name. And in real life, Cary Grant had a Sealyham Terrier also with that name. What is that name? Archibald or Archie Leach? Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Nellie Mackay is five for five. Congratulations, Nellie Mackay. Uh, Archibald Leach, of course, was Cary Grant's birth name, and he seemed to enjoy slipping it into movies and what we would today call an Easter egg. All right, Nellie, you obviously did very well in that category, but now here is your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Nellie, Cary Grant married five times, but he only had one child. For up to three points, which wife is the mother of that child? What film released six months after that child's birth would be his last because he retired from show business to raise her? And what is that child's name? Nellie, uh, concentrating very strenuously. Okay, the child's name is Jennifer Grant. Okay. I believe it was with Barbara Harris. You're saying the child was with Barbara Harris? Is that your answer there? I, th- I believe that that was who he had his child with. Okay. With. And then the name of the final film? I could be so wrong. It could be Diane Cannon. Uh, and then uh, uh, the, the final film, Houseboat. Houseboat. Okay. 
And do you want, I, do you want exact, to stick? That's not it. That's not it. No, no, no. It's something like that. He's by the sea. It's something like the dock on the Gulf. <laughs> <laughs> the dock and the pier and the boating and the tying. All right. <laughs> yeah. Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is an actor and writer who is author of the book, Good Stuff, A Reminiscence of My Father, Cary Grant. It's Jennifer Grant. It's Jennifer oh, Grant. Oh, oh my Hi. goodness. Hi, Nellie. <laughs> wow. Hi, Helen. <laughs> Hi, Jennifer Hi. Grant. <laughs> Nellie knows so much about my father. Indeed, Boy. yes. We'll talk about him and your book in just a little bit, but uh, you also might sound uh, familiar to some of our listeners because you were, uh, had a recurring role on Beverly Hills 90210 I, as, uh, is it Celeste Lundy? Yes, Celeste Lundy. That was my very first acting job. Wow, not a bad gig. And uh, on that, you got to you got to kiss Ian Ziering uh, on several occasions, if I'm not mistaken. I did. I, I, I'll never forget. I got the call to go in... <laughs> <laughs> for for that audition and I'd just been to the dentist and, and my lip was numb I didn't know you were going to talk about this but my, my lip was numb <laughs> and I went to to audition for Aaron Spelling and I kind of had like the fat numb lip thing but it worked for me apparently <laughs> <laughs> that's great uh, by the way I was in an episode of Beverly Hills 90210 and was cut from it let's talk about this then uh, you also <laughs> are in an upcoming uh, movie by a, a very accomplished director Jamie and Chazelle yes I am I'm thrilled I, I can't wait to work with them and um that's about all I can say about that, but I am in the film, yes. Is it La La Land 2? It is not La La Land 2. No, no, it's it's with Brad Pitt and Emma Stone. <gasps> wow. Oh, not bad. I'm so excited. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, uh, you actually didn't start out as an actor. Uh, did I read correctly that, that your dad, Cary Grant, actually didn't want you to go into the business? He did not. Not at all. Nope. He would have preferred if I'd turned into some version of Mrs. Fields. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted you to have a cookie empire. <laughs> exactly. It was really a challenging history with, with his parents. And I think his dream for me was me being at home with my kids, which mm. I am a lot of the time. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and uh, you're actually working on a series about him now. Tell us about that. I am. It's with Jeff Pope, who's an amazing writer. Um, he wrote Philomena. I always muff the name of this film, but it's the one on Laurel and Hardy. Oh, Stan Stan and Ollie? Yeah. Yeah. Um, It spans his life, but it's really the the first film to go into his childhood in depth. I I can't believe that he gave up his amazing career to raise you, his child. I mean, that really says a lot about him and and um, his his like uh, you know how much he meant, how much family meant to him. Mm-hmm. He had that that singular focus that I think is really needed for excellence, and he'd done the career mm-hmm. and he'd done it very well. But to step out at that point, that's incredibly rare. Uh, let's talk about the book for a minute. It's called Good Stuff, a reminiscence of my father, Cary Grant. Tell us about where that title came from. It was one of his sayings, you know, when he liked something. If he, if he, if he tuned into this, he might have said, ah, good stuff. 
Oh, I would hope you would say that. Here. I'm learning something. There's some interesting facts. Mm-hmm. A pier and a dock. I never thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> there was lots of good stuff in here. I was learning all the way through. Yeah. Oh, that's so, nice of you to say. Uh, in order to write the book, uh, you went through his archives. What, what kind of things did you find in there that maybe you weren't uh, expecting to, to know about your father? Well, it was it was actually archives rela- more relating to me. Oh. Um, everything that dad had from his childhood had burned of course in the war so he kept a vault with all of our photographs and films and my notes to him and his notes to me and so i went through um a lot of audio recordings a lot of video recordings and it was everyday stuff um but it was very touching to listen to you know him as a father with me as a baby yeah, and you also talked to his friends and, and colleagues, the ones who were uh, who were still around at the time. I did. I spoke to a few. I spoke to Sophia Loren. Um, Not bad. She was the one person who I knew was very close to Dad that I didn't know. And what does what does Sophia Loren tell you about Cary Grant that you can share? <laughs> what really stuck with me is I didn't have children at the time when I spoke to mm-hmm. her. And she said, I'm going to tell you that if your dad was around, he would say have kids. And you did. And what did, what did you name your first son? Uh, Carrie. <laughs> uh, and so uh, when you're growing up uh, with Carrie Grant as your father, when do you become aware of his work and, and, and of his fame and of his reputation? How does that happen? Um, it actually happened <laughs> when, I, well, I knew that something was different because wherever we went, People wanted to have his autograph and mm-hmm. and shake his hand, and women would get all googly eyed, and, <laughs> and they would send their kids up for autographs, and um, so something was clearly different. Photography mm-hmm. came to take an interest in us, but um, I was in the Hamptons one year with my dad, and we were at a friend's home, and uh, an affair to remember was on. Mm. And dad was explaining to me, you know, that it was a film and, and who this woman was and what they, but he kissed Deborah Carr. <laughs> and I, I walked up and slapped the screen. Like, oh, <laughs> really upset about it. Um, Maybe you were like six or seven or something. That's so cute. That's adorable. I, I think, I, yeah, yeah, somewhere in there. And uh, do you have a favorite performance of uh, his wonderful film work? You know, interestingly, Nellie, when you said bringing up baby, I love bringing up baby. Actually, last night, yesterday, there was a, a Turner Classic Festival on Dad. Mm. And no. I made a bunch of the films. And last night, Carrie and I watched To Catch a Thief, mm-hmm. which there, there are so many that I love. Yeah. There really are. How wonderful you can share that experience with your, with your son and, and talk about those memories that, that you have with him. And then uh, uh, last thing, uh, you mentioned that he kept archives about you and about other things that, that he loved. Is there, are there any uh, is there a favorite keepsake that you have? Is there something that you keep in your home that uh, reminds you of, uh, of your father? You know, it's, a, it's such a good question. I don't know. I have certain of his jewels. I have his Academy Award, which is... Well, there you go. Wait, you want to see? You want to see it? Uh, yes. yes. Yes, we want to see yeah. it. Okay, of course. Okay, it's it's on top of... Hold on, hold on. Ready? Oh, my God. It's right. Oh, my God. We're going to see... Can you see it? Harry Grant's Oscar. Yes, uh, it's yes. above the doorway. <laughs> and it makes me smile whenever I go into my office. Oh my God, I would think so. Wow. Look at that. that Thank is you so much so for showing that. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Where, 
Where is your office? You're in California? I'm Yes, I'm in Santa Monica. Oh, that's great. May I invite you to a show when we do shows again in two years or so? <laughs> Yes, I would love. Oh, we're definitely going to do a follow-up, but after that happens, this is such a thrill. It really is a thrill. Thank you so much for sharing that with you. We do have to get to the reason that we brought you here, as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Nellie. First, we wanted to know which was the wife who was the mother of Cary Grant's child, Helen Hong. What did Nellie Mackay say? Nellie said Barbara Harris. And uh, Miss Grant. My mother, my lovely, beautiful mother, is Diane Cannon. Damn it! You heard you heard me say that. I, I thought I wasn't sure. It might okay. be Diane. Okay. Yes. Sure, no. I'm sorry. No point there. Next, we want to know from Nellie what would be Cary Grant's last movie because he retired from show business to raise that child. Helen, what did Nellie say? Nellie said houseboat or something else with boats. <laughs> And I, I do know it's not Houseboat because that's the one where he, he uh, left, he wrote it with Betsy Drake, didn't he? And he did that with Sophia Loren. I know that was the 50s and this is more the 70s, I'm pretty sure. But please tell me, Jennifer. I loved Houseboat. It was not Houseboat or Father Goose. It was Walk, Don't Run. Walk, Don't Run. No and kidding. I think that was still in the 60s. I think that was 1966 ish or so. Yes. Uh, when that came out. So I'm sorry, no, no point there, but it's still a very pleasant memory. <laughs> and finally, we wanted to know what was the child's name, the child of Cary Grant. And Helen, what did Nellie Mackay say? Nellie said Jennifer Grant. And Jennifer Grant? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Very, very nice. <laughs> Because Jennifer, uh, I have I have a book about if your dad and it has a picture of him and you at a ball game. So for some reason, I really remembered your name. Ah, uh, it's a beautiful picture. Thank you. We used to go to the Dodgers all the time and the Magic yeah. Castle, by the way. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Which was interesting. You're a lover of magic. Great, uh, Nellie. Is there anything else you'd like to ask of Jennifer? Say before uh, we let her go. Oh man. Oh no. Just uh, um, if, uh, thank you for being born. <laughs> My pleasure, uh, Jennifer. If people want to find your book and find about uh, your work, where can they do that? I, I'm I'm not big on social media, but uh, good stuff is my book. It was published by Knopf. And you can look for me in Damien Chazelle's next film. Excellent. We will. We're so happy that you joined us here tonight. Thanks so much. What an honor and a treat, Miss Jennifer you. Grant. Thrill. Bye, Jennifer. Thank you. Yeah. Helen, what is our score as we go into the final round? It is very close, Jay Keith. Grant Lee Phillips has six points, and Nellie Mackay has six and a half points. Oh, that half point separator. Very, very interesting. <laughs> Let's see how this shakes out, because now it is time for our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements, and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Grant Lee and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. And again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here Did we get a hint? We- you, no hints. No hints. No hints. We've never been asked for hints in the true or false oh, round. Man. But we appreciate you trying. <laughs> Here we begin. Grant Lee, McDonald's restaurant started in the United States. True. Correct. Nellie, McDonald's has fewer than 1,000 locations around the world. True. Incorrect. No, I'm sorry. They actually no! have over 35,000. Grant Lee, McDonald's has locations in Russia. True. Correct. Nellie, McDonald's has a location in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. True. Correct. Yes, they really do. Grant Lee, McDonald's has a location in Kazakhstan. Oh, boy. Have I been to that one? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say false. Incorrect. No, they really do. Nellie, McDonald's has locations in Afghanistan. 
true. Incorrect. No, they don't. Wow. Grant, McDonald's has locations in Pakistan. Boy, oh boy. Uh. I love that you care so much. Really? I really do. <laughs> That's the thing. I really do care. False. <laughs> Incorrect. No, they really do. No! Oh! Sub Sorry. Nelly, Subway has locations in Pakistan. True. Correct. Grant Lee, Subway has locations in Saudi Arabia. True. Correct. Nelly, Subway has locations in Israel. True. Incorrect. No, they used to, but it closed. And finally, Grant, Subway's <laughs> Israel location failed because for some reason they weren't able to sell enough ham sandwiches. Uh, true. Uh, incorrect. No, no, no. Correct. That was just something we made up. Let's give, uh, <laughs> let's give our thanks to Nelly and Grant Lee as Helen tabulates the final score. Uh, that last one we are not going to count. Helen, are you ready to announce the final score in tonight's episode of Go Fact Yourself? I am. At the end of the game, Grant Lee Phillips has nine points and Nelly Mackay has eight and a half points. Oh, by just the smallest margin. Congratulations, <laughs> Grant Lee Phillips. You are the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. Grant Lee Phillips, what will you do with your championship? I'd like to turn it in for the cash prize, you know? I want to go for it. A bag full of, of recyclable bottles that I have yeah. in the back of my car? That'd be great. <laughs> All right, are. send us your address, and we'll send you the recyclable <laughs> bottles in Helen Hong's car. But I'm sorry, once you cash in that facting championship, it becomes cursed. <laughs> All right, that just leaves everyone the opportunity to promote anything that they would like. Uh, Grant Lee Phillips, where can people find you and your work? You can find me and my work at your favorite indie record store. You can find my new album, Lightning, Show Us Your Stuff. comes out September 4th. Go online. Go to GrantLeePhillips.com or any number of my social media places like Grantley Tweets on Twitter. And uh, look for me every Sunday on Stage It. Excellent. Well, we're so glad that we got to have you here on Go Fact Yourself, Mr. Grantley Phillips. Nellie Mackay, what about you? Where can people find you and your work? They can dig it up. But, you know, if, if you can, uh, if you got means, if you want to take an animal into your home, Now's a great time. I think, you know, the, the shelters are, uh, they got a lot of animals being turned in because we're about to see an epidemic of evictions, which um, perhaps will lead to a general strike. So please check that out. There's hashtags, general strike, how we can organize. And, uh, and I guess just my final word is I'm going to get you, Grant. I'm going to get you for this. <laughs> Grant Lee, the gauntlet has been thrown. I'm it's half a point, Nelly. <laughs> Not enough to to end a friendship over. <laughs> well, uh, thank you I so much for you. joining us, Nelly Mackay. My hosting partner is your Ms. Helen Hong. What do you have going on, Helen? Hey, I'm going to be in a Netflix movie called The Babysitter Two. Drops on Netflix September 10th. It is a teen horror flick, and I am very funny in it. <laughs> the, the the lovely, the talented, the modest Miss Helen Hong. <laughs> and uh, me, you can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith and on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leads me to thank Mr. Grant Lee Phillips, Ms. Nellie Mackay, Jennifer Grant, John Cox. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Update our wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom.com and buy our T-shaped shirt at MaxFunStore.com. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Like what you hear? Come see us live. Someday, it's free. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. And give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts like X Pandong did. He, she, or they said, one of a kind. This podcast is hard to compare to any because it stands out. Would love to see an episode featuring the McElroys if that ever becomes possible. Thanks, X Pandong. We'd love it too. Your move, McElroys. <laughs> Helen? 
Go Factor Yourself is a panel quiz program devised by Jim Newman and J.K. Ben Stratton and comes to you via transcription from various homes and cars across the country. Questions on Go Factor Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Go Factor Yourself's theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Maximum Fun's senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer and editor and general hero MVP is Julian Burrell. Woo! Special thanks to Mark Teitelbaum and Claire Burgart at Teitelbaum Artist Group, Carla Parisi, Brian Fernandez, Spencer Marks, Emery Emery, Scott J. Langto, Dave Cox, Sarah Rodenbaugh, Brandon J. Carr, Clint Tauscher, Mike Avellanos, Adam Needif, Dave Bianchi, Eric Tran, and Christine Bellata. I've been Helen Hong! Let's go look at Academy Awards! Oh Woo-hoo! wait, we don't have any. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported